Rebound for Eichel. Dropped it in front. Shot. Score! Dorofiev! Two goals! Live from the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios and live at LVSportsNetwork.com. The horn sounds and this game is over. The race for the Pacific Division is over and the race for Western Conference supremacy is over. The Golden Knights are number one in the Western Conference for the first time in franchise history. This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show, your destination for inside access with the team, exclusive player interviews, and breaking news from around the National Hockey League. Here's your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Welcome in Vegas, Golden Knights Insider Show, Fox Sports Las Vegas. Ryan Wallace, Darren Millard, hanging out inside T-Mobile Arena. I had a game number two between Vegas and Winnipeg. And Chris Chapman back inside the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas Studios. Finley Chevrolet on the 215. Home of the... In a lot of ways, the Golden Knights playoff run will start tonight if, in fact, the Golden Knights are successful in making their way through an extended run this spring. Had to turn it around from game number one. Just two shots on goal in that third period, and uh, it was a game in which not a lot was created offensively. I expect a much different performance tonight, much more urgency, and the search and quest for execution in and around Connor Hellebuck. It's game number two of this Western Conference first round series tonight at T-Mobile Arena. Darren Millard, Ryan Wallace having some fun up in section 104. There's a couple of things to look at as far as what Vegas wants to change going into tonight. First and foremost, on your list is what? For me, I I mean, you got to have more volume, more shots directed at Connor Hellebuck. You got to get you got to force him to make some plays and make some saves, and I think a lot of that is going to have to come from the Golden Knights on their forecheck. I thought the first four or five minutes of the game, the forecheck was where it needed to be for the Golden Knights. They were creating turnovers, they were on top of the Jets, and they were forcing situations where Connor Hellebuck had to make some really good stops. He did make them, so full marks, full value for Connor Hellebuck there, but after five, six minutes, that tended to go away. So what I want to see from the Golden Knights is is, is more relentlessness and, and tenacity when it comes to the forecheck over the course of 60 minutes. What you want is urgency. Sure. That's first and foremost. The Golden Knights have to display urgency, which is playing fast, being clean, and then following through and executing and putting those pucks on the net and trying to create opportunities in and around Connor Hellebuck, whether it's on the rush or rebound chances and making their presence known. But urgency is the number one thing that you want to see in every aspect of the Golden Knights game to start this game number two. Is that the center ice faceoff? Is that a puck battle off the draw? Is that moving the puck up fast if they win the face-off? Is that getting on the forecheck if they lose the face-off? Uh, absolute being on your toes in every aspect of the game. Determined effort in winning every one of your battles. Mm-hmm. And if you win your battle, that's going to help uh, out the defenseman behind you or the centerman uh, beside you be able to generate some forward progress. So the urgency, the U-word, is the one that's swirling around in my head going into game two. Urgency is a great word to use. I think for the Golden Knights, anytime you're down in a series, that should naturally come out of you. And, and I hope that for the Golden Knights, they have it from 
the opening faceoff because you you have to you have to hold serve at this point. You have to find a way to exit tonight's game with a win. You have to find a way to get this even going back to Winnipeg for game three and four. And there's a difference between urgency and panic. Urgency is forcing the issue. Uh-huh. Making sure that you are on your toes and progressing forward and putting the other team in an uncomfortable position. You are not passive. You are not waiting for the play to develop. You are not waiting for the puck to come to you or a play to develop. You are pushing the envelope. You are being assertive with that. There's panic like Panic that. is is something that uh, that gets into your soul and gets into your head and makes you think bad things, and then you lose control of the situation, and you aren't allowed to or able to react well enough. Uh, panic causes disruption in execution. You don't want that. And uh, execution can be a breakout, can be uh, a dump in, can be an opportunity in front of the net. There's all kinds of opportunities to execute a play in hockey. If you're panicked, you're not going to make that play out of your own zone. And it could end up as a turnover or it could bounce off a skate and uh, lose possession uh, of the puck. Uh, Being able to dump the puck in. If you're panicked, you're not making it uh, put in the right spot. Or you're dumping it in and it goes off the defenseman and they turn it up ice. And we obviously know what panic can do to uh, an great offensive opportunity where you don't hit the net or hit your spot and it goes uh, for a, a wasted chance on goal urgency is making sure that you're pushing those plays ahead urgency in moving the puck up fast to your winger who's urgent to be in the right spot uh, who's urgent to see that they're clogging up the blue line so you put it into the end zone, uh, the offensive zone, in the right spot uh, that well, Connor Hellebuck either can't make a play on or is going to be limited on where he can make the play, so which allows your forecheck to get better with uh, with some urgency with it and maybe you cause a turnover or cause a cycle, uh, leads to a cycle play and you're able to put the puck in the net and with some urgency uh, you might be able to convert on that. I, I like the amount of times that you've said urgency already it's, on this program. It's absolutely it, it's critical. Straightforward. Yeah, hundred percent. And and you know, you look at and, and I appreciate the difference between urgency and panic, right? Because panic to me is more reactionary. You are having things done to you and you are panicked in trying to as trying to figure out what the reads are, what you have to do, then you're under duress. It's more reactionary in my book. When you start to talk about urgency and playing that way, you're in control of the situation, but you are imposing the will on the opposition. You are forcing them into those moments of reactionary panic, and hopefully in those moments you can take advantage of it. There's such a thing as guarded urgency, which is what we saw a lot of in game number one. Everybody knew they were supposed to be urgent, that they wanted to force the issue, on the Winnipeg Jets, but for Jack Eichel, he's bouncing between trying to do too much Mm -hmm. and being passive and not doing too much. He had this yo-yo going on uh, the other night. One shift he'd go out and he'd feel it and he'd try and force the issue. The next shift he's like, I can't play that. i got to play my game. So he dials it back too much, and he's totally caught on both sides of the, the perfect line. Uh, on the defensive side, you have a couple of guys just back in the lineup who are trying to find their group, trying not to do too much and let the game come to them. That is 
makes it makes a ton of sense mm-hmm. in in so many situations, but doesn't lead to the urgency. Mark Stone being back in the lineup with with Chandler Stevenson, there is some good chemistry. Uh, a couple of points in, in the first period, but then you start to just uh, feeling the game. Well, you don't want to feel the game. You want to insert your will on the game, mm-hmm. uh, and there is there is that uh, Lauren Bressois trying to get comfortable. Is he uh, out of rhythm on every? facet of the Golden Knights game forward, defense and in goal, you had a newness to that game the other night. Five players were either experiencing something brand new or were new to the situation or new to the lineup. Mm -hmm. That's a lot in one full swoop into a game. I think now that they've got it over, they should be should be much better and I don't think you'll see anywhere near the type of guarded urgency that we saw. Yeah, I'm really interested. Um, Jack Eichel specifically, just to see the difference in his game and and what he's learned on the heels of his first NHL game, NHL playoff game. I'm curious to see the type of energy that Jack has on this game and also the impact because I, I do believe that Jack Eichel has to have an impact in this first-round series for the Vegas Golden Knights, and I think that that impact starts tonight. Yeah, I, I don't think he has to be the best player. I don't think he has to, to lead the team in goals or points because they've got such a well-rounded, deep-forward unit. Yeah. Best-case scenario, I want him out there with the, the goal lead, with the point lead, with the plus-minus lead, with the minute lead, all of it. But Jack and I had an extended conversation yesterday mm-hmm. in the dressing room after practice. And it wasn't a reporter-to-player type conversation. I asked him flat out, wasn't taking notes. I was curious, did the game, his Stanley Cup playoff debut, feel different than the 400-plus National Hockey League regular season games that mm-hmm. he's played? Yeah. And he said a little bit. He conceded that there's an intense atmosphere around it, but it wasn't as physical as, as he thought it would be. It, it, he felt that he, he left something on the table the other night. Uh, he was um, disappointed in not just the result, but the power play and his line's performance. And what he said to me a couple of times, and you hear this from players, but it really stood out because this wasn't a back and forth. This was uh, almost like just me hanging out with Jack and him venting. He said, I got to play my game. Yeah. I can't try to play the Stanley Cup playoffs. I got to play my game and then get get into it and let it go from there. Uh, not adjusting to the theater of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Not uh, getting into what I'm supposed to do in leading this team in points. He's got to play his game. That was a learning. That was a learning lesson uh, the other night. As we bring in the former executive producer of Hockey Night in Canada, John Shannon, who is the co-host of the Bob McCowan podcasts for our regular Thursday appearance. Hey, you've got uh, other commitments later on, so we're going to get to you a little bit earlier. Uh, you watched uh, game number one between Vegas and Winnipeg very closely, Shanny. Uh, what's uh, What's your takeaway from a Golden Knights perspective? Well, they got to get to the front of the net. You know, I mean. The Winnipeg Jets defense, the six of them aren't that physical, and yet they did a very good job of making sure that guys like Jack Eichel and Chandler Stevenson and 
even Mark Stone, who might be the sorest man in the world. I, yesterday, I would have thought he would be the sorest guy in the world. Um, they have to get to the front of the net. You can't expect to win a playoff game with just 17 shots, and that means you know the really quality scoring chances were probably in the single digits, and you can't expect to win a game like that. I'm curious, because I haven't heard much of this angle down here. What's the reaction on the Winnipeg Jets side? Uh, did they play their game? Did they play a good game? Well, I, I think that there's a realization that the Jets have been playing playoff hockey. By the way, the Maple Leafs scored 47 seconds into the game. Um, <laughs> there, uh, there's, there's a realization that the Jets have been playing playoff hockey for three weeks. They have been in that mindset for a longer period of time than most teams when you consider that they were in that dogfight with Calgary and Nashville for the final wild card. So what happened in game one was more of what Winnipeg Jets fans and the coaching staff have seen from this club uh, over the last three weeks. Now, that said, I think there was a little bit of doubt in a lot of people's minds is can they continue it, can they maintain it. Uh, but you know what? They they did a pretty solid job, and Connor Hellebuck did what he had to do. But, you know, you, Darren, you know as well as I did, the, the Golden Knights did not do very much to challenge Connor Hellebuck. No, that was a freebie for Connor Hellebuck the other night, only facing 17 shots and two in the third period. John Shannon's with us, the former executive producer of Hockey Night in Canada and the co-host of the Bob McCallum podcast. So when you look at kind of adjustments to be made for the Golden Knights, you, you, you talk about getting to the inside. How do they do that against a Winnipeg Jets team that moved the puck really well out of their own zone? Well, I mean, I, I, I think it's going to have to take a little bit more effort in the offensive zone. I think you're going to have to be a little more persistent. I think that just, and I don't think you're going to be able to stick handle at all, Ryan. I think you're going to have to do a lot more dumping and chasing, which is a little different for what a lot of teams are doing in the NHL right now. But to me, that that has to be paramount. And what what happens in the offensive zone is you got to get to the front somehow, some way. And in many ways, when you look at you know, not just the forwards, but with the quality of the defensemen the Golden Knights have, that should be a given. You know, Petrangelo, Martinez, they, they know what to do. They know how to get there, and they, or they know how to get the puck there in order to make sure the forwards have a chance at things. Oh, what do you think of Mark Stone when you, when you watch the game? I actually was impressed. I, I, I could not believe a guy that hadn't played since January the 12th was... I, I, I was predicting that it would be about 14, 15 minutes, but when yeah. you looked, at it was in the 20s. Highest forward. Yeah, it was it was amazing what he did. And there were a couple of glimmers of what Mark Stone does so well. A couple of, you know, lifted sticks and a little back checks and a little bit of speed. And as I said yesterday, I'm sure that he was in the hot tub and the cold tub a few times in order just to, to stay limber. And I fully expect he'll be much better tonight than he was in game one. You sound like you've got a lot of experience with this sore body situation. <laughs> well, you know, when you're old, it happens, you know, and uh, Mark and I are about the same age. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you, you look like you could still play. Yeah, I, yes, I could play, but it wouldn't be hockey. That's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> you a big pickleball guy? You into that? Like no, your buddy I'm not into pickleball. Come on. <laughs> you know, 
Although, although there are two professional pickleball leagues now, which is kind of impressive. <laughs> John, so, John is chatting with us. So we we just chatted about Mark Stone. What about Jack Eichel? Obviously, his first career NHL playoff game. Um, what did you see from him, and what are you kind of hoping to see from him now in game number two? Well, I know Darren had this great one-on-one with Jack the other day, but uh, thank you. I, I, I um, I'm going to disagree with Jack a little bit. I, I, you know, this is a this is a level of NHL hockey Jack has never seen. Um, and as much as Jack wants to sit here and say I want to play my game, sometimes you can't. Sometimes you have to bear down. Sometimes you just have to be a little more physical because everybody's being physical. Um, you know, now the, the off ice scoring uh, people in in Vegas. You know, they were on steroids when it came to body checks and hits. I'm <laughs> telling you the same thing. I had an oh. argument yesterday about well, me, that. I, I, <laughs> and, I, I did a little bit of research on that. Oh. I, I did some research. So I, I went through all game ones of all eight games, okay? Carolina Islanders, 83 hits. Boston, Florida, 87 hits. Minnesota, Dallas, 92. L.A. Edmonton, overtime game, 99. Um, then you go to Colorado versus... Seattle, which was, let me, uh, let me turn the page here, Colorado, Seattle, 69, Tampa Bay, Toronto, 81, Rangers, Devils, 62, and then you go to the steroid series, 116. There's no chance no that chance. it was 116 <laughs> hits. No, and, and Jack, said, Jack, said the, Jack said the same thing. He, he didn't think it was that physical. No, but I'll tell you, you know, it's a... It, this is, this is reminiscent of the old days at the Boston Garden when Harry Sinden was running the, the, the Bruins, and he, made, he went to the off-ice officials and said, just make sure we have more shots on goal than the other team. Even if they don't, you know, every time they get a shot on goal, it counts for one, and we get a shot on goal, it counts for two. So, is, that how, is that how Tugnut ended up with 73 that night? Remember, he was on the visiting team. I know, but uh, that means Boston would have had more shots on goal, right? <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, it, it just might be. You never know. But I, I, and I'm not. I'm not. I mean, the off-ice officials, the real-time scoring staff, do a magnificent job in this league. But that was one of those Sesame Street things. One one of these things is not like the other, right? I mean, it was it was a little out of out of whack. We'll see what happens tonight. Uh, from a, a Vegas standpoint, no lineup changes are expected. So. They're putting the onus on themselves just to be better going into game number two. Uh, you surprised or do you like it? Well, this is a team that had 109 points, right? 111 or whatever yeah. it was. You know, I mean, I, 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 uh, I don't think that that's an issue at all. I mean, this is the, this is the team, you know, with the addition of Stone for the, the playoff game. This is the team that, that got you to the dance. And you know what? I, I think that they, de- they deserve a chance to prove that uh, game one was an anomaly um, and to play Golden Knights hockey. There was a lot of, you know, there wasn't very much Golden Knights hockey the other night. You know, and, then that's, and I'm sure that, uh, that that was something that Bruce was talking to the team about, but I think every player would look around the dressing room and say the same thing. We did not really play the way we normally play games, particularly at home. 
you know, one one player obviously that I think had a big impact in in that game was Pierre Luc Dubois, and you know I, he was he was physical. He was making some really amazing plays in the offensive zone. When he's on, especially in the playoffs, it seems like he is able to kind of take a game over. How do the Golden Knights minimize the impact that Pierre Luc Dubois can have on this series? Well, you know, he listen. He can be one of the dominant power forwards in the National Hockey League when he chooses to be. Uh, the good news for the opposition is that he doesn't choose to do it every night. Um, you know, month, you know the, the game that they played Tuesday, it was one of those nights where the light switch was on, and, and he, was, he was brilliant. And it wasn't just goals and assists. It wasn't just hits. It was in the face-off circle. It was uh, his chirping. Do you have any idea what he said to Brassois? I don't know. <laughs> I saw that. I saw that uh, as well, and I haven't had a chance to talk to uh, Lauren because he didn't practice yesterday. Yeah, no. He's even chirping. Which, if you're a, if you're the Jets, you're saying, okay, the guy's got some swagger. That's good. We need some swagger. Right. This is a team that hasn't had swagger really very much, particularly in uh, in 2023, the calendar year. Mm. So, I'm not sure you can stop him, but you can minimize him on. I think the onus, again, more is on the, on the defensive crew. You know, I think this is something that Alex Petrangelo is going to have to keep in hand. And, and I know Bruce is not much into matching lines or matching situations, but the more that Dubois is out there, the more I expect to see Petrangelo. How much of your good stuff did you give us, and how much are you holding back because you're going to go on Winnipeg Radio in about five minutes? You got, you got all the gold. I, that's <laughs> you, why you I got the you. gold. I mean, I, I tell you, I you know, if the if uh, if Kevin Day off and Rick Bonus are in the dressing room listening to us now on the radio mm-hmm. on on Fox Sports Vegas, I mean, holy smokes, they're writing notes. I, I know for a fact all you're doing with uh, CGOB in Winnipeg is collecting a paycheck because C- <laughs> you're not collecting one for me. So that's <laughs> well, <laughs> so well, well li- li- listen, ba- basically. Basically, what I'm doing for you is a drop of water. What I do for CGOB is the Pacific Ocean. (laughs) Good point. You do like two hours uh, for them. Hey, thanks for squeezing us in. Really appreciate it uh, on a critical game uh, for the Vegas Golden Knights early on in this first-round Western Conference Well, and and as normal, I just want to say hello to George and wish him luck. Uh, He'll be here, and he'll give me a text and say, uh, tell Shannon I love him. I don't know why you guys don't talk to each other. Who says we don't? All right. <laughs> it's just, it, it just, quite frankly, when I'm on the radio, it's cheaper. <laughs> well, especially with those new Rogers rates that, that came out well, this week. <laughs> that's, that's assuming that you're a Rogers client. You know? yeah. Some of us aren't. Some well, of us never have been. Some of us were for a while. Until <laughs> <laughs> they unplugged the phone. Uh, thanks, Shani. Okay. Have there's, a great night. There's JS uh, with us, the former executive producer of Hockey Night in Canada. There's some uh, inside baseball stuff there. Uh, you don't have to worry about it, but it's uh, it's really funny stuff. Uh, the the idea uh, of Laurent Bressois mm-hmm. coming into this game is one that has kind of been flying on the periphery a little bit. Uh, there, there hasn't been any talk that I've heard, mm-hmm. any questions to Bruce Cassidy about a starter, mm-hmm. uh, any talk of making any type of change after uh, Lauren Bressois' first uh, Stanley Cup playoff start. Uh, I think that's that's great that there's none of that noise, a, a real positive environment. Yeah, I, I don't think that you look at game number one and say that Lauren Brossois was necessarily an issue with the Vegas Golden Knights. I think he made some big saves. I think there were some moments where it was a bit shaky, certainly got some puck luck. But, you know, I, I expect him now that he's got that game, that start under his belt, 
that he'll be even better and even more locked in in game number two. And, and to me, I, I don't know that there should be really any type of questioning as to who the Golden Knights are going to go to in goal. I think it's Lorembrosois' net until there's a, a real need to change that, and I don't think game one provided that. First time in 11 starts this year that uh, he lost in regulation. So that was something yeah. new, uh, along with uh, a lot of the other layers for the Vegas Golden Knights. One area that you could feel in the building the other night mm -hmm. was the incredible anticipation before puck drop, and that show. Did the show yeah. deliver? for you uh, the pre the pregame ceremony yeah the show did deliver um i'm i'm excited to get a second viewing of it though tonight um i i know that there's a star wars reference in there somewhere and i've got to figure it out then you get into the game and there wasn't a lot to grab onto an early chance for vegas uh an opportunity brent howden michael Matteo in the first period and and it got quieter and quieter yeah as far as opportunities went uh, outside of William Carlson scoring, but that was when Vegas had already fallen behind by two, and they were playing catch-up. So nothing in the first period. Uh, you were trailing after two, and there was little to cheer about in the third period. This went from full anticipation to quiet to vocally disappointed yeah. in this building the other night. Yeah. The, the, the fans reflected what they saw uh, the other night, and it would be incumbent on the Golden Knights how much of an advantage would it be to, to strike early like Toronto did tonight just to take away that uneasiness. That may be one of the biggest keys in all of it. What is a 60-minute game? Yeah. Grabbing a lead at any point in the first 20 would be massive. Yeah, I think the earlier the better for the Golden Knights. I, I, I do think playing with a lead is, is incredibly important in this series. I, I do think that the fact that Winnipeg was up 2 to nothing early into the second period allowed them to really clog the middle and, and shut down any type of, of, of getting to the front of the net for the Golden Knights. But more than anything, I, I just think that you want this building to just continue to bring that energy and bring that vibe. And the best way to do that is to score early and to score often. So I'm, I'm even looking at sooner than that. I, I say first 8 to 10 minutes. If the Golden Knights can pot one in the first 8 to 10 minutes, the roof will blow off the building and you'll have a lot of that energy just come out naturally. That would be best case scenario. Yeah, perfectly said. I just want to see some energy and some pressure, some zone time, some rush chances, uh, and, and some assertiveness with the, with the flow of the game and taking it to Winnipeg. How many stretches the other night was there uh, where you could say, boy, that was a good rollover shift? They had the puck in, in the Winnipeg zone for a good two and a half minutes and were able to change on the fly. They had uh, that. This game's turning into a track meet where they've exchanged chances and Vegas was back up the ice uh, in, in, in response. Uh, the goal was in transition, but mm -hmm. there wasn't a lot else other than that. So just, just playing the right way, on your toes, assertive, urgency, and get the, the crowd mm -hmm. going and make this, make this, the atmosphere that we all know it is. And I'm not by any means putting this on the fans because there wasn't a lot to gather on. There were 17 shots on goal. Yeah. There was two uh, in the third period. There were seven uh, in the second period. Uh, that, that, that total of nine over the final 40 minutes is below expectations for 20 uh, of, of any of the, uh, the, the minutes uh, per period. So that, that, there's, there's, there's a push-pull. Mm -hmm. This place is raucous off the start. Yeah. Can you keep that going? Well, 
it's incumbent and responsible by the players yeah. to, to, to follow through on that. And let's see if, if there can be a combination of the, of the like that we saw last night in Dallas. Uh, that we were able to to witness uh, uh, in the first five minutes of this Toronto game, mm-hmm. where it was a much different vibe. That that uh, Scotiabank uh, Arena was going crazy yeah. uh, tonight, as as we were talking to to John Shannon. Uh, the the home teams were able to respond in, in the last twenty four hours, where they weren't uh, in in the opening game ones. It's a trend Vegas really needs to in the first period. Don't give any opportunity or option for fatigue from the fans or uh, a, a, a look and go, woe is me. Get them involved. I, you, you said it really there initially. This building, this energy, it's got it right off the jump. And in order to continue to utilize that to your advantage, in order to continue to have that energy at a fever pitch, you got to give the fans something to cheer for early and that's why you know again I'm looking at goals but I wouldn't mind some more rush opportunities I wouldn't mind a little bit more of a wide open neutral zone early on trade chances whatever it has to be in order to really get yeah. this crowd on fire and then once it's on fire chip in some goals and really try to snowball things on the Winnipeg Jets you can overwhelm teams in this building we've seen it happen over the entire existence of the Vegas Golden Knights if you want to to know a key in terms of this game score early score often and try your best to overwhelm this team five minutes into the game it can come in a variety of different ways a big hit yeah might see that. Uh, Braden McNabb would be your leading contender in that area. A chance on goal. Force the issue. Get a big reaction out of the crowd. An odd man rush. Two and one or a breakaway. See if that uh, results and brings people in. Or a big save. It's yeah. not the the way you draw it up, but a big save can also do it. If, if you take an early penalty, kill it off. Get the crowd going in, in that regard. Momentum can come out of multiple different directions, uh, but it's it's really uh, to, to be able to force the issue uh, tonight. Uh, urgency and execution. I'll go back to it all night long. Uh, time for a break. Uh, we'll bring you up to date with the early action in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Plus, we've got one-timers, news and notes from around the National Hockey League, and you will hear from Bruce Cassidy. It was a uh, rather, I think, Interesting and indicative, a great scene setter for tonight from what you'll hear from Bruce Cassidy in regard to what the players are feeling. I think it's uh, a springboard off of uh, what Bruce offered this morning to what you're going to see tonight. Uh, More on that as we continue on Fox Sports Las Vegas. We're back to the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM during game two of a playoff series. Uh, not overwhelming, but it uh, also shows you that uh, they've won six openers, they've lost six openers, mm-hmm. and things have been close in the playoffs. What it does tell you is they've lost six game ones in their history. Yeah, They followed that up with a victory on five occasions. Yeah, That's really good. And they've won three of the series in which they've dropped game number one. Yeah. Uh, three of the of, of those uh, series in which they've fallen behind. Uh, in one series, they fell behind 2 nothing, and they were able to rebound yeah. uh, and, and claim that one. So this is, this is not unusual. This is not 
a situation that is uh, foreign to them in the sense of not having success going forward. And uh, I think that uh, you put those two things together, they've lost game once before, mm-hmm. and they've come back and won the series a lot of times uh, in, in the past. Uh, that adds to the confidence of this team. Winning game one doesn't mean you win the series all the time, and it doesn't count for two wins or three wins or four wins. It's one game, and I think for the Golden Knights, it's all about just making the adjustments and and finding a way to even the series here in game number two. They've been in this position before. They've been in this position before against the Winnipeg Jets. Different circumstance because it was on the road, but still, you have experience to draw on. And I think for the Golden Knights, there's no panic. There's no need to panic in this moment. You know you didn't play a great game one. Come out, play better here in game two. And if the Golden Knights play to their identity and they play to to what we have seen of this team since the bye week and the All-Star break, I think they'll be just fine. Uh, The first two game twos in VGK history, a little foreshadowing here, both went to overtime. Okay. Uh, here at uh, T-Mobile, uh, both games, San Jose, and that one was double overtime, and then a double overtime victory against the Los Angeles Kings. Uh, yep. Just, just thought I'd throw that out there. And I'm, I'm quite honestly, not ready for playoff overtime. And the, the first couple of extra time games on opening night mm-hmm. showed me that, and I didn't have anything involved in that series. No vested interest other than being a big hockey fan. And the amount of anxiety that you, you could feel through through the television uh-huh. and, and that broadcast is exceptional. So yeah. it's uh, I, I'm, I will I will fight my way through it, but it's <laughs> it's excruciating. And I'm speaking like Chapman. I can't imagine what you would be like in, in a Stanley Cup playoff <laughs> overtime game. No, you know what? Ryan was next to me for that double overtime game against the Kings in, yeah. in year one, and and. For me, it was the first time I'd ever experienced anything like that, so it was certainly fun. Because it was new. As, it was a as blast. You get, honestly, as you get older and you're you're around it uh, more, it becomes more of a just gnawing at you and and craziness. And, well, every and in, the, uh, in the stress of it, every turnover, every yes. shot, it's like it's hot. It's like there is nothing like playoff nothing. hockey overtime. It's the greatest. It's it, the absolute the greatest. intensity is insane. And and to be honest, like if if we're going OT, and, and this is how I've always felt about it, you gotta go deep in at least the first overtime. I don't want any of those two minute, three minute finishes uh, into into the first overtime period. If we're sticking around for a whole new intermission, if we're getting the ice uh, resurfaced, all of that, we're going for a while. I, the the deeper it goes, the more fun it is for me, and like I, I don't have any anxiety with it. Like it's it's great. I enjoy it. And it's it's always interesting because the deeper it goes, the more you realize that the play that's going to end the game is going to be greasier and greasier and greasier. Well, like sometimes that's the case. A yeah. couple years ago in the bubble when we had that, that Columbus-Tampa game, five <laughs> overtimes, like it's yeah. such a shame that that was in the bubble and there weren't fans in the arena to witness that. I thought they all left. I, they, because they, that they had to the go case. to bed. <laughs> that, isn't that what happened there? We don't have a yeah. drum roll. Have you, not, uh, have you guys seen some of the, the different shots, uh, whether it's the pictures or the video? Uh, because we do we do like to flash back on playoff moments, mm-hmm. uh, certainly on, on uh, our broadcast. 
uh, and the national networks that show it. And every now and then, they'll I saw Lauren Brassois standing in the uh, in the crease in, in, for a Winnipeg game, and it was during the course of uh, the bubble or no fans in the building, yeah. and the, the tarps were out. And I thought, wow, that in some ways feels like a million years ago. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't. Yeah. And how lucky are we that we're talking about the, the ability to make sure to get these fans involved and get the building rocking and, and have it just go. Uh, that, that's a big part of this. But there is a time just two years ago where it had no effect at all because there's nobody in the building. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting to kind of think back on it because – that entire time period, I, I feel like, is is both so far away and right in the rear view, right? Like, it, it's it's hard to kind of really have an idea of how far and how long ago it was and how far we've come from that moment, but also how recent it, it was in terms of our history. So, uh, all that to say, I'm so excited that in about 45 minutes uh, to an hour, this building is going to be at capacity this building is going to be rocking and this game is going to get what it deserves and that is a fan base that is just absolutely waiting to lose their minds at a hockey game there was not a lot that you would want to repeat from game number one Mm -hmm. that's the blunt honesty of it yeah but two players had a really big impact uh, through the first 40 minutes and then everybody uh, was sluggish in the third period but if if you could roll back William Carlson and Riley Smith yeah. and let them lead by example tonight and uh, it might have been some of the video that they showed from from game number one mm-hmm. these guys are going follow in their example because that was a, a tandem uh, that uh, that were going the other night uh, Phil Kessel uh, on the on the periphery as well but uh, Riley Smith was involved Watching him call plays, and especially when the lines were changed uh, mm-hmm. a little bit. Uh, he's the quarterback uh, uh, play caller when it comes to uh, discussing uh, what to do off a faceoff. There's always a planned play, and Riley Smith's always the guy uh, calling it. He was just energetic mm-hmm. uh, grabbing uh, his, his line mates together and doing that. And William Carlson, despite the score, played one of the more solid games that we've seen him play. And Bruce Cassidy paid the incredible compliment to him today that he's one of the most competitive players that he's ever coached yeah and we know some of the future hall of famers that he's had uh, in the past both in washington and and with the boston bruins it said he's not a raw raw guy he's not going to give you that but from a compete standpoint yeah William Carlson is right up there with the very best, and I, I thought that what what a what a great rise and comeback for William Carlson's game over the last uh, two years. He's been phenomenal all season long. I think William Carlson has been one of the most, if not the most, consistent Vegas Golden Knights players. Um, he does everything right in all three zones all the time. He doesn't take games off. It's real simple, and and even in a game where you just said it, there isn't a lot you want to repeat. I had no issue with William Carlson's game. Uh, the fact that it was him that kind of got the, the, the energy and the, and the air back into the building uh, wasn't lost on me. And, and when William Carlson is going, and it, he, he's going right now for the Golden Knights, you have to just buy into what he's doing and try to replicate that as much as possible. When his legs are going and he's competing for pucks and he's winning his battles, that's the type of leadership you get out of Carlson. Keep an eye on the faceoff dot tonight. 
and those numbers as it goes along. Winnipeg owned the circle yeah. during the first period. They were really good in the second. It tilted in the third period, and it didn't wasn't reflective on the score. But I look at that and as a uh, as an indication of being involved, engagement. Because mm-hmm. sometimes you will win a faceoff clean. Back to to your point, and the statistician from NHL uh, will will click down, and it's easy. But a lot of times. That puck will either stay in the dot or will just be off to the side of the faceoff uh, uh, dot inside the circle, and the wingers have to come in or the defenseman has to jump up mm-hmm. and gain possession. That'll go down as a faceoff win yeah. for for the team that grabs that possession, but it's not exactly a faceoff victory by the centerman. It's a winger win mm-hmm. or a defenseman win. Uh, in the first period, in the second period the other night, Winnipeg dominated that area of the game. So Vegas can turn around, and possession is what comes out of that. Sure, yeah. But it's also a great indicator of how engaged, involved, present, and winning individual battles the Vegas Golden Knights uh, will be producing. It's urgency. We've talked about it, right? You have to be willing, and you have to be urgent in any time there's a free puck you're going into that battle and you're going to win it. And I think for the Golden Knights, it's going to take everybody, all five guys on the ice, every single time they're on the ice, to go into all of those battles, initiate all of those battles. And I think that's going to be an e- the, the easiest way, the simplest way to draw yourself into the game right off the hop. A, it, a battle. Yeah. yeah, is looking at those as individual battles, and the objective for the Golden Knights tonight is to go into every battle expecting to win it. I'll give you another good indicator. When you're watching tonight, listening to Dan and Gary and Ryan, or uh, whether you're at the game, you're on your way and you're going to be in T-Mobile Arena, something that you should pay attention to in the first period to give you an idea of this is really going to be great tonight and they're on their game, or could be a struggle. They're going to have to crank it up. Uh, that's coming up on Fox Sports Las Vegas as we bring you the Beach Gate Insider Show, teeing up our number two as we continue from Section 104 at the Fortress. This is the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM. Now back to Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Talk a lot about the Vegas Golden Knights, what they have to do better in game two of this first round series against the Winnipeg Jets. Who was the best player from the Winnipeg side the other night? I, I've i talked about Pierre-Luc Dubois quite a bit. I think he was absolutely fantastic for the Jets. Uh, as John Shannon uh, kind of touched on, Pierre-Luc has the ability to do that, and it can disappear at any moment in time too. So um, I thought he was super impressive. Down low, his ability to make plays. Um, he's a player that I'm interested to see what game two looks like for him. His future with the Winnipeg Jets is up in the air, has been for a couple of years. Uh, he's a restricted free agent at the end of the season. Is he going to end up in Montreal uh, via a trade uh, in the offseason? Uh, it would have to be some kind of uh, transaction that would put him there because he is restricted. Uh, the idea that a player could necessarily disappear from one game to the next is something that they've talked about for a long time in Winnipeg with their forwards. Uh, They have some dominant guys. Blake Wheeler was the captain for a number of years. Very creative. He's on the backside of his his career now. But some inconsistency on that side. Mark Shifley, uh, I think, is one of the best players in the National Hockey League. uh, uh, 200-foot battler. Inside his own zone at times, he gets a little lost. 
but uh, and that's why he's on the wing right now instead of a center. But he's got a level of influence on a game that not many have. Uh, Kyle Connor, uh, that guy is just all world when he can can shoot the puck. So there's there's players that can get on a roll with Winnipeg that can carry them offensively, mm-hmm. uh, and that's uh, that's knowing that they they managed to uh, swing a deal for Patrick Laine for Pierre Luc Dubois. Yeah, for sure. It's a it's a high skill, high level team in, in the Winnipeg Jets. Is you just kind of talked about those uh, those players, um, and for the Golden Knights, I, I mean, I think that you've you've got to you've got to shut down at, at a minimum, right? That top line of the Winnipeg Jets. You got Shifley and Connor and Dubois, and they had a really strong game. Number one, Blake Wheeler chips in a goal. Uh, kind of drove a lot of offense for that that second line for Winnipeg. So it's really going to be on the Golden Knights to limit the chances and take those two lines out of the game. There is a feeling, though, that Winnipeg uh, was fortunate with their first three goals in the sense that they came off Vegas miscues Mm -hmm. or lost coverage or a bounce that didn't go their way off a line change, that Vegas uh, was responsible in their own issues the other night and it wasn't that the production out of Winnipeg's top line was slightly misleading do you believe that I I do in that for the Golden Knights they it was self-inflicted we don't see very many games where they give up that many odd man rushes against and the fact of the matter is if the Golden Knights clean that up it's going to be harder for the Winnipeg Jets to find those opportunities to score first 10 minutes I'll be watching one thing in particular to see if the Golden Knights are on point and are in sync What is that? Plus, you'll hear from Bruce Cassidy, his conversation with the media ahead of Game 2 tonight, and one-timers, news and notes from around the National Hockey League as we touch on three other Game 2s that will take place tonight. One is already underway, and it is lopsided early. It's the VGK Insider Show coming your way live from T-Mobile Arena on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Stay with us.